On November 4th, we as a people, we as a nation, were called upon to make a choice. A choice for President of the United States. A choice for who would lead us as a people. From the beginning of time, from the creation of you and me, there has been a call from our God for us to make a choice. And on this ballot, there are but two names. His, Yahweh, I Am, God Almighty. Or there is a write-in nominee in bold ink and it seems to have our name right there and there is a call from heaven to us on this day November 9th choose this day whom you will serve choose this day whom you will serve either God or yourself. As we looked at Genesis 3, Adam and Eve went with the write-in nominee. They chose themselves to serve. They chose themselves to be like God. And so we see Adam and Eve at the end of chapter 3 are placed out of the garden they are put out as they, again, wanted to give it a try to be God. There was consequence for sin. That which was meant to be perfect no longer was perfect. And imperfect people could no longer be in the presence of holy God. And can you imagine that day, God's grieving heart, as he had to put his creation outside of his garden and his presence. There is only one who is the most high. He is a holy God. And he longs for a relationship with us. But we cannot be in his presence. Now as new covenant Christians, now as Christians who have life in Christ. We cannot be in His presence unless we have relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ. The good news of the story, as we enter at the end of Genesis chapter 3 and begin in chapter 4, is that it's not the end of His story with mankind, but the beginning of His relentless pursuit of relationship with you and me. His beautiful creation that he has loved to the core from the beginning. And so as we begin Genesis 4, in his beautiful creation of mankind, and as he said to be fruitful and multiply, Cain and Abel are born unto Adam and Eve. Cain is born first. His name means to acquire or to to get. 
And I love, I love the grace of God in this passage. Right off the bat with Eve, where she says as she cries out, it is with the help of the Lord that I have brought forth man. Even though she was put out of the garden, even though she had sinned against God and chosen herself, you see God's wonderful grace poured out upon her, and it seems that we see that she responds, and she has an acknowledgement that God is involved in this creation of Cain. God is somehow involved in His wonderful power to bring forth, and He used me in this process. It seems that there even is a, a glimmer of hope with the birth of Cain coming about. To acquire, to get Maybe he is the one who would redeem her and Adam out of this incredible pain as we suffer the consequence of sin as we are put out. Maybe Cain would be the one who would deliver us. Genesis 3.15, And I will put enmity between the woman and between your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head as he speaks to the enemy as God does. And you will strike his heel. Is Cain the one who will crush the serpent's head? The hope that he might be the rescuer of us. Unfortunately, a hope misplaced. She seems to realize that Cain is not the deliverer, she probably right away, even as a young child, as Cain is two years old, and he says no to his mom and dad. And she sees as he grows up and how he has evil things that take place. She probably starts to recognize this is not the one who will be our deliverer. And she gives birth to Abel, which means vanity or breath. It's all vanity. Who will save us? It's all vanity. It is but a breath. And like the need that welled up in Adam as he longed for one who would complement him, so the longing for a Savior grew within fallen man the recognition that we need a Savior. And so in the scene, we come to a place of the offering. Now Abel was keeper of the flocks, and Cain was the one who tilled the ground. And in the Scriptures, we get no indication of, of one position being better than the other. This was just their task. This is what they worked at. We do know that there was an appointed time to bring an offering before the Lord. Basically, to come and to worship God with their offering. Cain brought fruits from the ground and Abel brought meat. And it says that God looked with favor upon Abel, but with Cain there was no favor upon him. 
And as you read this passage at first glance, you go, God, what's the deal? It sure seems unfair. Both sons come to you with an offering. And are you a God of favoritism? Why is it, Lord, that you were with favor upon Abel, but not with Cain? I just wanted to offer a few thoughts on what might be going on here. Now, you have to understand, Moses wrote Genesis. And it was given as a book to the Israelites. It was part of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. And as the Israelites would read this, it would be very clear for them that the reason that God did not look with favor upon Cain is because there was no blood sacrifice. The Israelites knew full well the only way you come in the presence of holy God is with sacrifice. And God did not receive atonement from Cain. And so he was looked upon with disfavor. That is one area of thought of what is going on in this scene. The other that we see as we look at this is there's definitely a contrast in the offerings. We see that Cain showed up and he brings some fruit, some grain. And again, this was okay in the scriptures. We see in Exodus 23, bring the best first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord. It was part of the offering to bring grain and fruit was pleasing unto God. But as you look closely at the scriptures, it says, and Cain brought some fruit of the ground. Yet Abel, the big contrast that we see, is Abel brought fat portions. He brought the firstlings. And to the Middle Eastern mind, that was always known as the best of the best. That Abel went out of his way to please God with his offering. Here, God, is the best of my best. An aroma pleasing to God. Not just some meat or some leftover pieces thrown before God. I think, though, as we study this passage and as we get more insight into the New Testament and responses to what was going on here, that it wasn't so much the offering but it was the heart of the one bringing the offering before God. We see in Hebrews 11, verse 4, it is by faith, by faith, that Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. It is by faith that he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. God looked right into the heart of Cain and Abel, and Cain's heart was nowhere near God, it would seem. And Abel's heart was right there, full of faith, full of a desire to please his Lord. Just like the Lord looks at our hearts, right? He digs right in. He bores right through. Where is our heart as we come before the Lord in worship? 
First John 3 says, do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one. Again, we get another heart picture of where Cain was at and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because of his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. I think Cain looked much like Judas. A lot of outward spirituality, religiosity, yet a heart that was wicked and evil. It seems that God had given instruction on how the brothers were to bring offering because the Lord says, if you do what is right and you know what is, will not your countenance be lifted up? They had an idea of what was going on. It's not lack of instruction for how to come before God. There was time, I think, as we see in this passage, that God had spent to speak forth, here's how you'll come before me. And Cain, if you, if you do what is right, I'll have favor in your countenance will be lifted up. There will be joy in your soul. In our relationship, there will be peace. And there will be atonement. I don't think, again, lack of instruction, but truly outright rebellion from Cain. That he, again, was going to show up before God. It wasn't that he wasn't religious or didn't want to come before God. He just wanted to do it his own way. God, I'm going to show up on my own terms. I'll have this relationship with you, what seems fit to me and how it works out for me. And I'll let you know how that is, God. Thank you very much. He had all the outward play of a follower. He showed up with his offering. He came to church. And he looked very religious. But again, on his own terms. And Samuel replies to Saul, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord. To obey the Lord is better than sacrifice, and to heed Him is better than the fat of rams. And so Saul was rejected as king, just like Cain's offering was rejected by our Lord. It's not about sacrifice. It's not about looking religious. It's not about having all the Christian terms. We serve a holy God. And the call from heaven is choose this day whom you will serve. God or ourselves. We need to stop if we are plain Christian. Because God pours right into our heart and He sees very clearly who we are. You're not faking out God. You may be faking out the rest of us. But all of us will stand before a holy God. And He is the righteous judge who will say, I know your heart. Our heart is like a crooked fence. All the paint in the world won't straighten it out that we would live in the trust and in the love of God, that we would put our faith in Him, the Savior, that truly He is the only one, the one who died for us, the one who was risen from the dead, the one who says, if you believe upon Me, you shall have life 
everlasting. He's the only one who can change this crooked heart of ours. Stop pretending it's just by showing up here. Stop pretending that it's just by, look at all the good things I do. That's not the issue. It's not the sacrifice. It's your heart and obedience to God that we put our trust and our faith in Jesus Christ. There is the choice. And again, I love how the Lord reaches out to us, even when we sin against Him. And He says, Cain, I want you to understand something. You have sinned against Me. There's a choice to be made. I want you to understand something. If you choose to go down this path of checking yourself on the ballot, if you decide to vote for you and live for you and to live in your own life, in your own strength, and in your sin, then it becomes, it becomes full of life. The vision is, is, is like a, a wild animal crouching, ready to prounce and take over your life. Don't you see God's love there? I know that sin is attractive. I know it seems like you want to do your deal. But when you choose to live and buy into sin, into the lie, it will devour you. Siegfried and Roy thought they could tame those lions. It tore them apart. And God says, I want you to understand something. If you choose to live apart from me, if you choose to live in sin, it will destroy your life. It will take you further than you ever wanted to go. See, we think we can play with it. I just cheated a little on my taxes. I just looked at a little bit of porn the other day. It's just a little bit of this. It is waiting, crouching to devour. And God in all of his love saying, will you choose me? Will you let me lead your life? Will you receive the forgiveness from me? Will you let me empower you to have life? I love how God doesn't come down hard on Cain. He doesn't compare Cain with Abel. He doesn't say, oh, I just wish you would get your life right like your brother Abel. I don't want you to miss our gracious God in this. He knows where we sin. He knows where we fall short. He's always calling us back unto himself. He hated having to put us out of the garden. And he longs for relationship with us. I'll accept you, Cain, but you must Surrender to me. I will give you a choice. I want you to surrender to me. And I think this part of the passage where God is confronting Cain on his sin is really the turning point for all of us. It is the choice. Do you stand at the edge? Or where do I go? choice do I make? It's this, it's this point of I either surrender to him or I live for myself. Every day as followers of Christ, we make a choice. Well, I choose to live for him or live for me. And for all of us, at one point in our life, we make the choice. Well, I choose to give my life to Christ and surrender to him 
Or will I continue to choose to serve me and live unto me and in my power? There's the choice. And we see, unfortunately, the choice of Cain, who said, I will live for myself. I will let this anger, this hot heat burn up inside of me. I will try to control it. And actually, I'm not even going to control it. I'm going to let it take over. And so I'm taking my brother out and I will kill him. Because it's obviously his fault that God is displeased with me. And which is what we do. You sin, I sin, and then we want to blame everybody else around us because of my actions. If Abel wasn't so pleasing to God, God would have looked upon favor with me. Sin was crouching at the door and sin took over. And he wiped out his brother. God says, I don't want you to enter in there. I've given you power as followers of Christ. Romans 6 says, count yourselves dead to sin. But alive in Christ Jesus, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Offer parts of your body to Him as instruments of righteousness, for sin shall not be your master. Choose this day whom you will serve. God is asking of us. Cain chose himself. He was unyielding. He would not repent before God, and God is still calling himself back. Cain, what is it that you have done Where is your brother, Cain? And his response is not even really a question. It's just in God's face. Basically, he's saying, I'm not the shepherd of the shepherd boy, am I? He's not looking for an answer from God. There's no brokenness with Cain. Sin has taken over at the door and crouching, and he keeps choosing himself. There is no forgiveness. God keeps going after him, and he's like, in your face, God! I want nothing to do with you. I'm not the shepherd of the shepherd boy. There's no acknowledgement of the murder. There's no brokenness. A heart that went, oh, what have I done? There's not the deepest sin that God cannot cleanse and forgive. Yet Cain refuses. He does not value life. He does not care. And so God's judgment comes upon him. The innocent blood has been shed, it cries out, and a curse is placed upon him that nothing will come from the soil. That was his area of strength. He had a green thumb. He worked the soil, and it was productive. And now nothing will yield for you, Cain. You will be a wanderer and a vagrant. And now Cain's like, hey, wait a sec, God. It's too much for me. What are you doing to me? I can't bear it. Look at the heart of Cain. It's all about him again. What are you doing to me, God? This isn't fair. Him, 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 him. There's none of, Lord, again, forgive me. God is giving them opportunities. Forgive me, God. I have sinned against you. That's David's cry. 
and nobody but you, O God. Make me white as snow. Cleanse me with hyssop. David cries out, Cain will not. There is no sorrow. He's just caught. And he wants a way out. Godly sorrow brings repentance. Corinthians 7.10 And it leads to salvation. And it leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings forth death. And once again, God's grace pours out. They're going to kill me, Lord. And he says, I'm going to put a covering on you. There will be a mark upon you. We don't know what that mark was. It, it may have been some physical something upon him where people knew not to touch him. I think it was more a sign that God showed him a mark, a sign of his covering over him. Isn't it amazing? In your face, God, I just killed one-fourth of humanity. I don't give a rip. And God's still covering them. See, God values life, even though Cain does not. God values everything about his creation. Man, again, if you would know, if you and I could fully understand the amazing love of God for us and our value before him. And he covers Cain and he sends him out. He says, you'll be a wanderer. And he ends up in the land of Nod, which means wandering, a place of wandering. He chose himself. God's kept reaching out, and he chose himself. And God's call to you and me, choose this day whom you will serve. It's amazing to me, as he goes out, we see the, the heritage that is passed on. When we choose to live in ungodliness and we continue there, we pass that along to our generations. We pass along our hate for God, our, our anger towards God. We bring it into our families. And the one who is supposed to be the wanderer builds a city. In your face, God, I will build my city. I will not wander. And I will name it after my son Enoch. I will build unto myself and my name and my reputation and the children who are brought forth. They were ones who built tents and, and, and worked in the land and ones who built instruments and very musical and, and built bronze and made metals. Look at all the focus that goes into what they did and what they accomplished. And I will build a city unto me. I'll name it unto my son, Enoch. And then the decline that sin that crouches at the door continues. And one is born named Lamech. His name means powerful. And you see the decline of man as he goes out and he kills one man and he kills one child. And then he gathers his wives together, his wives. In your face, God, I know you said, and we shall become one flesh. I'm going to take two. Sin crouching at the door, taking us down a path further and further away from God. I'll have my two wives and wives gather around me and let me tell you this story. And he doesn't tell the story out of fear. 
He doesn't say it will be 70 times 7 out of fear. Oh my gosh, God is going to come upon me so strong for taking two lives. He says, look at what I have done. I have taken two lives. Oh, it's just seven times upon for Cain's life. Bring it on, God. Seventy times seven in your face. A heritage that refuses to surrender to the amazing love of God. And a decline that goes deeper and deeper than we ever intended. Choose this day whom you will serve. Yet even amidst our wandering, selfish hearts, God is pursuing relationship with you and I. Romans 5.20, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. And Adam and Eve continued to multiply the earth. And look at God's beautiful remnant. Look at God's beautiful hand upon Adam and Eve. And there's another one born named Seth. His name means appointed one to take the place for Abel. His line will be one that will pursue after God. And he named his son Enosh, which means weak or frail. I love this name. It's New Covenant. I am not competent within myself for anything. I am a broken vessel so that the all-surpassing power of God might shine through me. Enosh, weak and frail. And then it says, and at that time, when men were finally broken, when men finally surrendered, when they realized they could not live life on their own, weak and frail, at that time, men started to worship their Lord, their God. And I think truly that this is the very beginning of this, of corporate worship. Together they came, weak and broken like you and me, before God, the only one who can give us life. And as we look at chapter 5 and that remnant, this beautiful genealogy that is given to remind us that God has a remnant, it's also to remind us, here's what it looks like to live unto God. It reminds us that we have choice. Enoch walked with God 300 years, and then he was no more, 522. Here's what's beautiful about Enoch. His name means dedicated. Enoch, in Cain's lineage, was dedicated unto himself. Dedicated to his own city. But Enoch, in Seth's lineage, was dedicated unto the Lord. Choose this day whom you will dedicate your lives to. There is a call from heaven upon us. He was dedicated unto the Lord. And I think his life represents life in Christ, that he walked in righteousness, as Hebrews tells us. He walked in, in a way that pleased God, and he was no more, I think it's a type, to show us that our spiritual lives in Christ are exactly that. We walk with Christ, and our spiritual lives keep on walking in the life of Christ. Whether we die or God comes back, we keep the journey 
because we are spiritual people and he represents this walk with God that continues on for eternity. And he pleased God, Hebrews 11 says. Choose this day whom you will please. The last thing as we look at the genealogy, it makes you think about what is it that I'm passing on? The way of Cain or the way of Abel? Do I bring a godly heritage or do I bring a heritage that kicks against God? Whether it's your own children that you're bringing in the truth of his life or whether it's your spiritual children, helping them to choose who they will serve. And so, dear body of Christ, hear the voice of the Lord who says, choose this day whom you will serve. And I hope your cry back to God is, and as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Amen.